Hello and welcome to the OCR Exams podcast, where we'll be chatting with a range of guest speakers from the world of education. My name's Anthony, I'm one of the hosts of the podcast. Here at OCR, we're committed to supporting teachers and exams officers at every step of their journey with us. We're also here to help our students reach their full potential, and some of our podcasts will feature tips and advice on revising, preparing for exams, and managing mental health. Please remember to like, comment on and subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're using and be sure to follow our other social media channels. We're on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Just search for OCR exams. You can also find a range of subject specific blogs on our website, ocr.org.uk forward slash blog. So let's get started with today's episode. everyone and welcome to this episode of the OCR podcast. My name's Rebecca Simcox and I'm a subject advisor for health and social care and child development here at OCR. Today I'm joined by Erica Reeves and Jade Hall from King Edward VI Norford School for Girls to talk about student well-being. Thanks both so much for joining us and welcome. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. No, thank you. Um, so first of all, could we start with you both introducing yourselves to us and giving us a little bit of background about who you are and your job role? So my name's Erica Reeves and I'm Assistant Head uh, in charge of Pupil Support and Wellbeing. Uh, my name's Jade Hall and I'm a teacher of health and social care, um, but I also work quite heavily in pastoral as a senior learning mentor. Fantastic. I um, really appreciate you taking your time today. I think the topic is really important to all of our listeners. We're going to have pupils, teachers and parents. So I'm sure they'll get a lot of, you know, good information from both of you. Um, So to start us off then, Erica, I just thought I could maybe ask you to explain what is meant by student wellbeing and what is your school's like ethos or policy and approach to supporting students with their wellbeing? So it's a whole school approach. Wellbeing so multifaceted, isn't it? So um, not just looking at one aspect of well-being, um, but considering all aspects of well-being and just making sure that we're doing what we can to support pupils in all those areas. So um, obviously, you know, physical well-being um, and well-being in terms of mental health are, are perhaps more obvious facets of, of well-being. Um, but then, you know, and I think probably particularly in young people, we're also looking at social well-being, you know, how much friendships can, can influence young people, you know, and the people around them. Um, we're talking about their intellectual well-being, their learning, um, how, how well they're progressing. We're then sometimes talking about their financial well-being and, you know, whether there's any difficulties there in their environment, you know, where they're living. Um, So we very much look at it as a a whole picture, a a holistic picture, and realise that for pupil wellbeing to be good, there's so many different things that need to fall into place. And it's trying to make sure that we're doing as much as we possibly can in school to tackle you know, all those things um, and not just one or two. 
I think that's really interesting because I think when, you know, when we talk about well-being, we talk, you know, most people will be thinking about mental health and they probably forget that there's those other areas and that's probably where, you know, not as much work or interest is in. Um, so it's really interesting to hear that, you know, you've got this whole approach and I think that's, you know, fantastic. Um, okay, just moving on then. So Jade, just thought maybe as a classroom teacher, um, you could maybe let us know how you feel, you know, wellbeing is having an impact, if any, on your students and like their capacity to, to work well in the classroom. Are you finding this is having an, uh, an impact on them? I think so. As I said, it's like a wide, you know, a, a wide range of um, issues. Really, but you know, as a classroom teacher, you see kids on a day-to-day -day basis, um, and you know, they come into your classroom, albeit you know, having maybe dealt with something uh, that morning or the following week, you know, they're using beforehand. Um, but it does affect their learning in regards to you know their ability to concentrate, or you know, you might notice that students are maybe not putting in, you know, the usual, um, you know, 100% effort that they usually would do. Um, I think classroom teachers have, have got that kind of advantage to to look at, you know, they do see them quite regularly. So you do get to know the students on, the, on a personal basis. But, you know, as I said, whether it's their ability to learn, whether it's their ability to concentrate, um, or even just, you know, whether they, they kind of present them differently in the classroom as well. Um, a lot of our students are very open, to be honest, and they do build up quite good relationships with their teachers, um, teaching staff. Um, and they often, do, you know, will ask the teachers, you know, if they can have a word outside the classroom um, and just explain, you know, that they're not having a very good day. You know, whether that's from stress from outside of school, whether that's stress related to their to their work, um, you know, but it is a range of things, and I would say it does affect them, um, you know, in terms of what you see in the classroom, definitely. And you said there about teachers being really good at spotting, you know, spotting things. So what would happen if a teacher had noticed something, you know, something was wrong with a pupil that morning, they'd notice they're not acting maybe like they normally would, or they're perhaps not putting in the effort. You know, what might that what might a teacher in your school do in that situation? I think there's levels to it. So, you know, they, they are really good at, you know, emailing um, the pastoral team alongside like their form tutors just to say, you know, I've had uh, this student today and they didn't see their normal self so it would be straight away flagged up to you know the pastoral department alongside their form tutor um, and that would kind of then decide based on what you know kind of the issue that has been reported what level of support that student may well need whether that is a checking basis from a pastoral member staff um, whether it's something that needs to be picked up by safeguarding um, so as you say spotting those signs within the classroom does then get flagged up and then passed on to the relevant departments, you know, and whether that is something that we're aware of, um, and, you know, that student may well already have some support in place, you know, whether that's a teacher mentor, whether it's an external, you know, they've got they've got counselling going on, um, or it's quite useful that actually teachers flag things up that we're not aware of. Um, so uh, it might be that it's a new thing so that we, you know, ask that student if it's something that they do require some support with, um, so yeah, it does get flagged up and then it enables us then to look at the right support for that individual. Fantastic. Um, just thinking about with all of that in mind, so you mentioned that the approach of the school is like a holistic approach. So what does that mean for the curriculum? You know, is there a dedicated space just for wellbeing or would it be embedded across all of the lessons, all of the learning in school? Yeah, so I think the obvious lesson where 
um, it's there's a lot said and, and taught about well-being as in um, PSIT lessons. Um, we're lucky enough to have an hour's dedicated curriculum time to PSIT in every year group at our school, um, which means that a lot of work can be done through through PSE. So all the things that you know we talked about in the first section, all the different kind of facets of well-being, they are covered um, year on year really through PSE lessons and. You know that real focus on um, helping yourself because ultimately we we what we try to do is to give the pupils the tools to be able to keep themselves well because that's really important. Um, you know we can obviously be here for them in school time, but they need to be able to manage themselves independently. You know even even from year seven, uh, they're old enough to be learning and, and regulating and. Um, you know, and, and trying to be able to manage themselves because ultimately they're the ones that are there all the time. So it's it's trying to give them those tools, give them enough knowledge um, through, you know, knowledge rich PSHE lessons, um, but also then to give them the skills, um, you know, that, that they need to be able to, you know, to give a, a, a really simple example, um, it, you know, eat healthily, you know, for them to know the difference between um a good food and a bad food and what eating too much sugar in a day can do to you in terms of your well-being and your concentration and you know th those kind of simple things you may think but that are, that are so important um and then we do do a lot of work on trying to interleave it into other areas of the curriculum as well um we've done some staff training on you know well-being in the curriculum and how to weave that into lessons and I think a really important part of that is actually students being aware of what well-being is because it's a word that gets used quite often but I think it's making sure that students are really clear what do we what do we actually mean because it is such a actually you know a, a huge thing it isn't just one thing um it isn't just their mental health um so it's it's that education around what it actually is um, and then trying to interleave that into things um you know and again a small example but you might be reading a text in an english lesson um and you know the character um have maybe hasn't slept very well and it's maybe just that little mention of of how that might have affected that that character's well-being on that day and and little things like that Oh, that's great. And, I, you know, I think that's really interesting that you said that your philosophy is to try and educate people so they understand well-being. Because like we said, I think most people just think well-being means they've got poor mental health. But, you know, it's it's about them having good well-being as a whole, isn't it? Um, and not just about poor mental health. Yeah, um, and I think it's a common misconception amongst young people um, as well. You know, so it is really important that we're being really clear on them. Uh, with them about exactly what we mean yeah totally agree um do you think that you've seen you know there's a lot in the media about how things are worse now after the pandemic you know do you think you have seen that in your school is that evident from the cases that you've had now compared to you know three or four years ago I think so and I think as you say like they've lost a lot of those social skills um you know just kind of interacting with people um, you know, losing that sense of routine, just literally things like, you know, waking up every morning and having something to get up and get ready for. 
Um, you know, so it's not just a case of, you know, they're losing out on their, on, on their learning. Um, but as you say, like in, in terms of a whole well-being, even small things like your diet, you know, whether you're eating as many meals as you would do coming to school um, on a day-to-day basis, whereas that impacted, as you say, of COVID has a huge impact in regards to what we've seen back in school. Um, you know, it took the, I think it took our students a long time to just get back into a routine of, you know, being up early, being in school, you know, Monday to Friday, um, you know, expected to kind of work and, and do things throughout the day. Um, you know, it's, it, alongside that, the social element as well, you know, being used to being around people for the first time, you know, in however many years it was that they were off. Um, but, and I think it had a huge impact, definitely. And I would still say that we're still seeing the impact of it, to be honest. Um, you know, whether that is the girls struggling in regards to friendship things, um, struggling in regards to just, you know, having that whole, that whole routine again back in school. Um, and also the, the, the pressures, really, that they kind of put on themselves. Um, but I do think it definitely had a, a huge impact on them. Yeah, I think that's that's a really interesting point. Um, so you have touched upon this in quite a few of your answers already, but just thinking if there was a pupil struggling in your school with any aspect of wellbeing, and that maybe being flagged up through a teacher or maybe through them, themselves or a parent, what specifically could you do? What things would you do? What would you be able to offer them either internally or externally to support their wellbeing? Yeah, so a layered approach according to need. Um, so, you know, we uh, there may be um, at the at the very lowest level that we feel that um, what that pupil is struggling with, then many other pupils are struggling with it as well, and we may make tweaks to our you know um, curriculum in terms of what they're doing in PSHE, you know, to to cover that, or we may get the form tutor to do a bit of work in, in form time with all pupils. Um, with an issue that's specific to a pupil, um, obviously homeschool communication is key um, and having that initial conversation with parent or carer to find out, you know, what, what do they see going on at home? What do they know about, um, you know, and, and get that, that side of it first um, and definitely um, approach it together. Um, also, you know, make sure that, that home um, and people are happy with any support that we might put in place. Um, if we feel that the pupil needs somebody to talk to, then we've got um, a brilliant staff team here, almost all of whom are willing to mentor pupils, see them on a regular basis. Just be that point of contact, that trusted person who's going to give them sensible advice and that they can go to if they've got an issue. Um, we do also have a, a designated mental health mentor um, here who does a lot of both group and individual work with pupils, um, usually specifically around mental health, anxiety, low mood, um, exam stress um, and things like that. And, and we may well refer um, to her and, and for, to have sessions with her. Um, we may also do practical things like, um, you know, if, it, if a pupil is having difficulty getting through a lesson, we might provide them with an exit pass so they're able to take a little breather outside the room or come and see a trusted member of staff if, if they're really struggling. Um, now, obviously, it may be that a referral to the 
um, send department is is sensible and appropriate as well. And we would always make sure that we kind of, you know, looked at that and included them in our in our you know multi agency approach. Um, we're lucky enough to have um, an external organisation um, that that covers our school area called the Mental Health Schools Team, and they are a branch of Forward Thinking Birmingham. Um, and they work at kind of a, a low level, if you like, um, doing blocks of work with students who are struggling, um, particularly with anxiety and low mood. Um, and that was something that was set up during COVID, actually, to try and help with the demand of pupils who were feeling that way. And that's something that's still there. And we find that service incredibly useful, that we can get specific mental health support from forward thinking Birmingham but quite early um, we also have a, a school counsellor whose capacity we have just increased um, you know we I'm sure uh, lots and lots of people listening um, know how difficult it is currently to um, you know get get counselling services um, just because of the, the high demand that there is so um, we we have a in-school counsellor now who's here two days a week and, and can help, you know, be really helpful to some of our pupils. Um, and then, you know, we we will look at look at other ways to to improve well-being as well. So, you know, we for example extracurricular, we would encourage pupils to, um, for example, go to the the food technology club. Um, you know, to, to encourage them to learn a bit more about healthy eating. Um, we have um, free breakfast bagels every morning here again to encourage pupils to, to start the day well in, in terms of their diet. Um, you know, we, we will um, have focuses sometimes on some specific things. So Feel Good Friday morning, um, form tutors uh, have something to go through with their forms. And that might be anything. It might be about sleep and the importance of sleep. It might be, um, uh, you know, about um, how we deal with um, relationships and friendships, you know, and those things that are so important to young people. Um, and we tackle those sort of things through assemblies as a whole school approach as well. Um, so, um, yeah, I feel like I've said a lot there, but <laughs> but there's there's quite a lot to it in, in one way or another. Yeah, you absolutely said loads, and it, you know, so interesting to hear all the varied things that that you're doing, and I'm sure that has a you know really big impact on your students. Um, there's so much to pick up there, but I think you explained it really really well. So the only thing I wanted to pick up on that was you mentioned about teacher mentoring. I think it's such a great idea that the whole school are involved. Um, so. Could you maybe explain that a little bit more to us? Maybe what do your teachers do and, you know, do they receive training, et cetera, for that? Yeah, so as Eric mentioned, we do have teacher mentors. Um, they get trained by, uh, you know, the pastoral staff. Um, it is a whole school training for, for all teachers. We also had, um, we just had the mental health schools team in, actually, who did a whole staff training on self-harm because, as, as Erica said, we do kind of do training based on the need, really. So if we do feel like there is a specific need at a certain time, um, as we know, self-harm is quite prevalent at the moment. Um, and it is something that a lot of students are opening up to teachers about. Um, so that was something that we had a whole school staff training on. 
um, to kind of ensure that the staff felt comfortable if they did have a student um, that they were mentoring that did mention anything along those lines. Um, but, you know, teacher mentors do uh, cover a wide basis, really, because essentially the, the students first build that relationship with their teaching, uh, you know, their teaching staff. Um, yes, we have a huge pastoral department. However, they see their teachers on a day-to-day basis and they build those relationships. So, you know, it will be anything from one-to-one support just around, you know, it could be anything really from low self-esteem to, um, you know, organisation skills, um, just needing a check-in really. Some students just like to have that that person that they can go to to, to speak to um, about anything really school-related, not necessarily school-related sometimes. Um, but the training that is out there for the staff, whether that is in school um, training by, as I said, pastoral staff or external staff, really. Um, and it, it is quite it's quite popular, actually. The students will come and say, you know, could, could I have this member of staff as a mentor? Um, they, they're quite open and, and, and willing to ask for support. Um, and our staff are great and, and are willing to, you know, to kind of take on students and, and say that they're happy to, you know, support and mentor students. Um, and that could just be for a short period of time, whether it's a few weeks or whether it's a bit longer term, again, based on the individual need of the student. Um, but it's something that works really well here. Um, and I think the students benefit from it quite a lot. Yeah, I'm sure they do. It sounds like a really personalised approach, which I'm sure is, you know, um, really beneficial to the students. Um, and just thinking about some of the things that you said there, you know, you mentioned about how a lot of different people would be involved. Um, so do you find that this might have an impact? So if wellbeing perhaps was an issue with one pupil, would you notice then that there might be other areas to be concerned about, such as attendance or like family matters or safeguarding? You know, is there a link there between wellbeing and other areas? Um, yeah, there can be. Sometimes yes and sometimes no. And, and like you say, it's about taking that individualised approach, really, making sure that you have those conversations with pupils and communication home to check that those kind of things have been investigated, really. Is there anything else going on? Is there anything else that we need to have a look at? Are there any other external agencies that we need to refer to? You know, is this a family that needs family support? Is this a family that are struggling financially and maybe need household support fund? Is this a family that could benefit from our Pathfinder, you know, in school family support service? Um, you know, it, it does does this this individual need to go to the GP? Um, and and it's building up trust with students, you know, with with a member of staff. It, it you know, it doesn't matter who it is necessarily. Um, to be able to have those open conversations and find out whether there's anything else going on. You know, and if a student's well-being isn't good, I think your point about knock-on effect, that attendance would be the biggest thing that we would see. So whether that be actually attending school at all um, and perhaps being off ill more than they would be or, you know, perhaps, um, you know, feeling very anxious around coming into school or that might be that they're coming into school but they're finding it very difficult to to get to their lessons you know we do see that um in some of our, our students as our, as i know most schools do um and that can often be a sign that that 
you know, one of the facets of well-being or multiple aren't right and something that we need to investigate into further. Yeah, and I think, you know, that that leads me nicely on to the next question, which is, you know, what signs should we look out for when it comes to well-being if, if somebody was struggling? So you mentioned attendance, so a pupil might not be coming into school as often or they might be late. But what other signs do you think we could look out for? I think it, um, you know, we always kind of go by the matter. If, if you're unsure, if you're, if you're kind of doubting something, just ask that question whether that is like, you know, somebody hasn't presented as, as maybe as, as neat and tidy as they normally do. Um, someone was quite, you know, quite tired and quite lethargic in a lesson. Um, you know, whether it, that somebody hasn't concentrated. Um, but no matter how small you think it is, small things add up to a bigger picture essentially. So what we always say, you know, is kind of the motto in our school and for all staff really is if you have a doubt about anything, just to flag it, you know, flag it to, to the pastoral staff, flag it to safeguarding. You know, it may well, you may well think it's really small, but actually it might well be, you know, that missing piece of that puzzle um, and make up that bigger picture that kind of is really helpful and make sure that they get that right support. So, you know, the, the signs are, are endless, I would say. But, um, you know, as I said, from, from anything from sleep, from anything from, you know, they haven't got their uniform, um, they keep forgetting their homework, maybe. Um, they're late a lot, maybe, and they're not concentrating. You've seen a difference in their behaviour. Maybe, you know, their behaviour's uh, gone, gone downhill or maybe they've become quite withdrawn. Um, but it's just making sure, as I said, that you are flagging up the, the difference that you've seen because as, as a teacher, you will see that student on a regular basis and you would be that first person to spot a sign that, that you think's not the norm for that person. Um, and just making sure that you do flag it up as I say, nothing, nothing small really. It all kind of adds to the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah. And um, you mentioned earlier, I think Erica mentioned earlier about exams, and exams could be a trigger for some students. So, with exam series sort of approaching, just thinking, what do you do to combat any issues with exams? Do you notice there's more issues or increasing issues when it comes to exams? You know, and what do you or your your teachers do to help with that situation? Yeah, so we definitely notice um, an increase in, um, you know, things like anxiety uh, in coming up to exam season. Um, and again, it's it's about having that approach that includes kind of whole whole school or whole year group approach when we're doing work about exam stress. You know, lots of work on how to deal with it, how to organise yourself, how to revise, how to plan. Um, through weekly PSE sessions, um, making sure that, um, you know, those, those organisational tools are available through Teams, through our website, you know, for pupils to be able to easily access um, assemblies as well around, you know, how, how to deal with the exam stress. Um, and also in lessons as well, you know, subject-specific lessons. I think the key with exams is the the more the pupil feels prepared and organised, the less stressed they're going to feel. So that work going into making sure that we've been really clear around what we want them to revise, how we want them to revise. Um, and that really difficult balance between uh, encouraging them to work and, and making sure that they're doing enough work and also, you know, not piling on too much pressure to leave them unable to do work because they feel um, so stressed and anxious about the situation. 
And then we also, you know, obviously every student is different and some students are, you know, very um, resilient as concerns exams. They're fine. They almost quite look forward to them. Really important to give those students, um, you know, who, who, who are that way, the independence to just carry on and be able to do their, their thing without support. Um, and then put those extra layers of supporting for those that do need it. So um, our mental health, mental running specific groups for people who are feeling the stress of exams, um, using uh, services such as mental health schools team um, and our school counsellor to do some work with pupils who are feeling stressed by exams. Um, and if, an in, if a specific pupil is feeling very concerned, uh, making sure that those extra layers of support, such as having a teacher mentor, somebody to sit down with them and help them plan their revision and drill down really into what's making them not feel so good. Because I think particularly exam time, students can sometimes uh, catastrophize and just everything becomes too difficult to cope with. When actually, when you really drill down into it, it's one subject, maybe even one topic that they're feeling um, a bit baffled by, um, and and you can you can make small, you know, small things can make big wins. I think sometimes. Yeah, definitely agree that you know really good mantra to to sort of drill into students who are concerned. I think. Um, and then this question, I'm sure there'll be loads of different answers, but um, if we could just maybe summarise, sort of if you had any advice for any parents or carers that are listening that are maybe slightly concerned about their, you know, their, their child, um, what could they do to support that young person? I think the first thing I'd say is not underestimating the, the, the small things and the basics. I think when we have pupils who's presenting as well-being isn't great and we chat to them often those basics are just not good they're not eating um, as regularly as they should be they're not eating as healthily as they should be they're spending too much time on on their phones um, and on social media especially late into the night it's affecting their sleep um, they're not exercising um, you know, you, you talk to them about these things and, and trying to, you know, my advice would be really try and get those basics in place. They're not always what teenagers want to do, but we know that it is what is best for them. Um, so, you know, really working on those those kind of things um, and then also never, ever being afraid to ask for help. We often get calls from parents or carers saying you know this has been going on a while but you know um it, it seemed a bit trivial or I know you're all really busy you know um if pupils well-being isn't good they're not going to learn and progress and develop and obviously that is what all of us in education want for our pupils uh we want them to come out of our schools thriving happy healthy independent individuals with a fantastic set of um exam results and sometimes, you know, the, the small things really do matter. So never, never be afraid to get in contact with the school. Um, you know, nothing, nothing is ever too silly or too small to raise. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And I think as a, you know, as a parent myself, I probably, you know, relate to some of what you said there. You you know your your child and sometimes you see the same pattern. So you don't really necessarily think it's it's a big thing because you've seen it over and over. But actually, sometimes somebody else, you know, talking to you and saying, actually, this is something maybe we could work on just just puts it into perspective doesn't it so jade what you know what would you do in that situation if you felt that there's some small things that could happen at home here you know that the parents perhaps not quite spotted what sort of things would you do with that parent how how would you help support them i think you know phone calls home go a long a long way really just you know contacting that parent and explaining you know what maybe you have seen you know from a school point of view um as a teacher you know maybe how that student has been kind of progressing or maybe, you know, not progressing over the last however how much time. But also, you know, schools often do have a lot of signposting, whether that's giving the parents advice of where they can go to get support. You know, if it, you know for us in Birmingham, um, if, you know, a parent said that actually they've noticed that their child has been struggling with their well-being or their mental health, um, you know, where can I go to take them? You know, we have a local place called Falls in, in Digbeth, where it's a drop-in centre that, you know, um, that counsellors, therapists and so forth, where parents can go and take their child up to the age of 25 to go and get that support, you know, whether it is a drop-in um, basis or, you know, that they get that tailored support for their child, um, you know, and, and also, as I say, not just that, but schools may well be able to point them in a direction if, it, you know, parents will actually, my child, was into this sport or was into this so they used to do this after school do you know anything in the local area you know it's it's anything really is it's kind of pointing them in the best way really in regards to where they can go to get some support um you know pastoral departments in every school will always have you know signposting a lot of schools now have what we call pathfinder um, which is like a family support worker essentially that's full-time in, in the school. We have a Pathfinder at our school, um, you know, and Pathfinders work quite holistically with the families in regards to supporting that family because sometimes you have conversations and parents open up about their own difficulties, be that their own mental health, be that, um, you know, financial difficulties, housing difficulties, and, that, you know, that's the role of our Pathfinder that will actually tailor that support and give that kind of holistic approach and getting support, signposting support, you know, booking appointments for whether it is housing, whether it is um, around finances, you know, finding the local um, food stores, you know, just just lots of different areas really. Um, but I think the more communication that you have with families at home and, and are open, you know, about how you can support and as, and as Eric said, is kind of just hammering home that there's nothing that you can't really talk to your student about. I know sometimes that initial conversation is difficult um, and sometimes, you know, you like to kind of think that it will kind of just go away on its own, but the longer you leave these things without addressing it, the worse it gets really. Um, so definitely having a lot of communication to, to families, to parents and signposting as wherever we can really. Yeah, fantastic. I think you've given, you know, so much food for thought for, you know, myself, What's the OCR and other professionals out there um, with with how you tackle things? And I think the final question would be just for any students that are listening. You know, you've mentioned 
you know so many different ways to help um from a parent or a school point of view but you mentioned for pupils the biggest thing they can do really is have resilience um and to take the pressures off themselves so just really if we could just summarize you know what top tips might you have for some students with helping them with their resilience I think it's it is a difficult one because resilience is hard and, and resilience is something that we have to um, learn and we have to build uh, as we get older. Um, and so I think the you know top tips for resilience um, has got to be to to just have that can do attitude, to never give up on anything, and um, you know to to look at failure as an absolutely essential part of the learning process um, and uh, a part of working out what you have to do to improve to do better next time and then you know giving yourself that next time and that next time and that next time again um, and just keeping on going because that is the way that you will achieve um, and you know perhaps looking towards some role models who have done that you know who haven't given up on their dream and have and have made it after um needing to be really resilient to things not always going well yeah I totally agree and I, you know i think you've given us so much to think about there um and I, you know thank you so much for joining us and sharing all those experiences from you know what you do and your approach at school i'm sure a lot of people will get you know loads from that so thanks very much both of you pleasure yeah, okay. thank you for having, for having us you're welcome so that's all for our student wellbeing podcast today thank you so much to our guests erica and jade for taking the time to join me and to everyone listening i hope you found this episode interesting Don't forget to share this podcast with your colleagues and please get in touch with us if you need any further support. All of our contact details and social media channels can be found at ocr.org.uk forward slash contact.